O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace wow. on a jump ball. Pistons down four, 12-8, 7-38 to play the first half. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Countdown, baby, and a foul. Reggie inside for Andre, oh. and a dynamite dunk. Pistons fans, welcome to episode number 56 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you again this week. And quite frankly, I really don't know why. Because uh, the Pistons haven't been really kind of in sync this week. But we still are. Um, but I just need to say, I need to get this off my chest. This is Aaron's fault. This is 100% Aaron's fault. I told him... Last week, when he came out with the name, Pistons are the hottest team in basketball, that you're going to jinx them. They're going to start losing. Like, something bad's going to happen. This is not This is not what you should do. No way. The last time Aaron put out a, uh, a title, the Pistons are the best team in basketball, implosion began. December and January happened. <laughs> so... I told Aaron, don't do it. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. And he said, Brendan, what are you talking about? No big deal. They're the hottest team in basketball. Put it out there in a couple of... A complete complete nosedive? Complete nosedive. Blowout losses to playoff opponents. And we still sit in the seventh seed. We still got a three and a half game cushion separating us from the ninth seed, but a couple of real tough games for the Pistons, Aaron. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely not my fault. I'm not on the court. <laughs> Strike I'm that from the record. Plays, um, but I'm just here to present the facts, and the facts were at the time the Pistons were the hottest team in the NBA. We we actually identified we ad- we identified in the podcast that the Bucks were actually well. The I'm talking team. about over the last 16 games, the Pistons were the hottest team in the NBA. That was the uh, reasoning for the title. If you look over the last 30 games, though, the Bucks had won 24. Out that's of 30. great, and that's great. It really <laughs> is. You know, Milwaukee's a fantastic team. They got a great group over. You're there. like a bureaucrat a right now. They're a fantastic team. Uh, oh my god, talk about coach talk here at the beginning of the podcast. Um, but, you know, not my fault. These two games, wow, absolutely embarrassing. Uh, no question about it. You have two, maybe not the biggest games of the year, but you have two huge games. Two tie-breaking, clinching opportunities against the Nets and the Heat. And you lose both of them. And you don't just lose them. You get blown out. You get outplayed. You get out-hustled. You get outworked, And you get out-coached in both of them. You lose by 34 to the Heat. And you lose by another 28 points to the Nets. I mean, absolutely blown out. They were not close games whatsoever. And that's the worst part about it. They didn't show any fight in either game. And that really bothers you as someone that's watching this team and has been with them through the good and then the bad in December and January. Like the really, really bad in December and January. For them to then go on this hot streak and get to this point where they're at, and just lay an egg in back-to-back big games. It was really, really frustrating. And it's disappointing because those games could really come back to bite them at the end of the year. This race in the Eastern Conference is a lot closer than I think people think. You know, Detroit was ahead of Brooklyn. After they lost to Brooklyn, they fell behind Brooklyn. Miami's right there with Detroit. They're only two games back. That, those two games can change really quickly. The Pistons could drop two games really quickly. The Heat can win games really quickly. The Heat are a pretty streaky team. You know, They have some wins where it's like, how do they win this game? But then they lose some games where it's like, how do they lose this game? They're a streak, streak away from jumping over the Pistons in the East. And then you have Charlotte and you have Orlando, who you should be able to hold off. You know, Charlotte's really taken a huge dive lately in the negative direction. But Orlando's still there. Orlando's 32-38. and 38. If, they, if they can go on a little bit of a streak themselves, they're right there in the playoff hunt. They're in the playoff hunt, but they're right there fighting for that 7th or 8th seed. So Detroit just can't afford to, to fold now. And it, it's really upsetting to see the way that they played in the past two games. 
and it's not just on the players because I think Dwayne Casey did not have them prepared whatsoever to face his own, which is a whole nother issue um, because I don't understand how you aren't equipped to play against his own when you play the Brooklyn Nets who run the most zone defense in the NBA. I don't know how you're not prepared to see that. Uh, and then you go into Miami and you play even worse against his own. So two games where everything that could have went wrong went wrong and all the faith and all the positive energy that had been building up around the Pistons was just absolutely shattered. I looked at my Twitter feed last night before going to bed and I didn't even look at my Twitter feed. I looked up the hash the, the, the hashtag Pistons on Twitter and a lot of tweets were just like, Pistons are doing this. They really thought they were going to get the fans back and they play like that. A lot of it was just that negative energy. So, yeah, it's going to take a long time to rebuild that faith, rebuild that energy. And when you go when you go out and, and play two big games like this and play that bad and you lose that energy, it just goes to show this is, this is a long process and the Pistons really just blew it. No, I mean, you're, Aaron, you're right. You're absolutely right. The relationship right now with the Pistons and this city, it's on eggshells. You're walking on a glass floor. It's going to shatter, crack very easily. You can build up all that positive energy all you want, but if you go and put two games together like this, it's going to fall apart. It's going to crack. It's going to shatter. <laughs> it's a very wishy-washy relationship right now. Okay? And to come out the way they did in these last two games, like you said, like Brendan said, it's an atrocity. It's not just like, oh, Andre had a bad couple games and it hurt the team. Oh, Blake had a couple bad games and it hurt the team. But, you know, they were in it. Nobody on the team played well. The whole team in general was a disaster. Dwayne Casey, like you said, Aaron, was outcoached in both of them. That's a disaster. I don't know, boys. That's, it's just a <laughs> tough look right now when the, you're fighting for a playoff spot. And these aren't the biggest games of the year. They weren't, but these were two big games, and you show these performances. Can I just say, and I want to deviate from our conversation here for just a minute, what the hell is the zone defense in the NBA? Like, listen, coaching high school basketball, I hate having to drop into a zone because it feels like just a soft thing to do. Like, go out there, play your five guys, man up, and play D. But... What is this NBA zone garbage? What is this? I mean, it's working. But what is this? There's a reason why teams are using it. It, Well, I I agree. The zone, seeing the zone in the NBA being run as much as it's being run is wild to me. I just didn't think we were going to see the zone like we've seen it in the NBA. But at the same time, how can you be mad at teams who run the zone against the Pistons when they're trotting out Bruce Brown as their corner shooter? The whole way to break a zone is to have shooters on the wings. In these zones, the heat and the nets have left open is Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown's not hitting shots. The second you that your corner man, your outlet guy, is not hitting shots that break a zone, that zone just constricts and it eats a team alive. So how can you be mad at those two teams for playing zone, honestly? It's just a matter of, like, even... You pull out all the stops to win. This is playoff time. It's, and it's no different than a thing like Hacker Drummond. You know, it's it's strategy. Trust me, you're disappointed in it, and I'm disappointed in it. I can't believe it's happening, but at the same time, you got to pull out all the stops to win. What absolutely knocked the Pistons on their ass? Going in zone and forcing them to kick it to Bruce Brown. Because what's Bruce Brown not going to do right now? Make a shot. So when you don't kick it out to Bruce Brown, what's that zone doing? Trust me. Restricting on everyone. Oh, trust me, I'm well aware. I just hate the fact that it's being run in the NBA. I know. I know we all understand this. It drives me nuts. I hate it too, but... It's playoff time, man. This isn't game 32 of the regular season. You're doing anything and everything you can to make the playoffs. And what works against Detroit? Making Bruce Brown shoot. God, it just, I hate the zone in the NBA. That's just garbage to me. It's just ridiculous. It's just garbage. Get get shooters then. Then you'll break the zone because you'll stretch it out and they'll get out of it. Soft. Anyways, so the Pistons lose two, you know, back-to-back games versus the Heat and the Nets. Both blowout losses. In the process, the Nets also secure the tiebreaker for that, you know, likely sixth seed if they end up tied for it. That's a big deal because it could really then change, obviously, 
who you face in the playoffs. Obviously, you could change your seeding. So Brooklyn, if they end up tied with Detroit on that last day, will take the sixth seed uh, after securing the tiebreaker. Yeah, that's disappointing. You know, you would have liked to have won it. Uh, I guess the only hope for Detroit is when you look at Brooklyn's schedule, they have the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA, according to Tankathon. Um, so that's going in their direction. That means Detroit's got to just step it up and outplay them the rest of the way because of Brooklyn's schedule being as hard as it is. But, I mean, can we rely on that after the two games that Detroit just played? I don't know. With a Reggie Jackson injury now, right? Um, at the same time, I don't really know if a 6th or a 7th seed matters at this point. As long as it's not the 8th seed. Let's not play Milwaukee in the first round. But playing Indiana or playing Toronto, I don't know if it really matters at this point. Well, you may be playing, it might be Philly or Toronto. Yes, true. Indiana's slipping. That's true. It could be Philly. I mean, in reality, are the Pistons winning a series against no. any of these teams? And I guess what's more compelling? Wow, Aaron just calling it. Calling wow. it like the season. I mean, he's not wrong. No, it's just it's just what I've been saying all year. I just can't believe Aaron's finally on the same page with that. I was never I was never saying the Pistons were going to go off and win a playoff series. I mean, come on. I need to pull up the old archives. Oh no, no, we'll say this before just before the season started. I was on Aaron's side. I thought this team could make win a playoff series. We thought this team was a four seed, bro. That's what we yeah. thought this team could get to. We're clearly not ceiling six seed. I just wonder who said that. I, okay. I wasn't saying that the Pistons... I never said, like, in the position the Pistons are in now that they were going to win a sixth seed. I'm beginning just, of the year yeah, when everything was, you know, saying. nice and chill. And I thought the Pistons could fight for a fourth seed. No, no, here's the problem. Yeah, they had a shot. Here's the problem. If the Pistons had been playing the type of basketball that they were playing, you know, recently, the style. I'm not even talking about being hot. I'm talking about running more pick and roll. Pistons would be in a battle for a fourth seed right now because they wouldn't have gone... They wouldn't have had December and January happen to them. It wouldn't have been that bad. You're telling me but the way it happened, You're telling me they'd be 15 games above 500 had they. They'd be at a plus 14 had they run the pick and roll off the rip. Not a plus 14, but uh, they'd be hovering around that, not around it. I don't know, no, kind of close to it. I think they would be because they wouldn't have gone as what was it, seven and 18 in December or um, what? Well, there was some record. What'd they go into December and January? I don't I even was, know. It was so it was, bad. I don't know. Was it like 11 and 21, 11 and 22? You find out. I, I believe it would have been completely different. I mean, not, you know, head and shoulders. Hey, there would have been 22 and 11 or whatever it was. But this, it would have been better. They'd be more close to the fifth seed. And then maybe, maybe if a team's playing like that, more bounces go their way because they're more confident. But obviously we were wrong because they didn't play that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. It, the, the style of basketball... Has changed for the better. Nine and twenty-one. Nine and twenty-one. It wouldn't have been that bad. It wouldn't. I have. agree with that. It wouldn't have. I'm not. I'm not saying they would be a plus fifteen. It just wouldn't have been that bad. But anyway, that's water under the bridge because it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. At this point, what's the point? Why, what's the point of even talking? about Yeah. No, what's the point of even talking about it? Let's just move on. I from just that. just had to identify. You know, we get it, Brent. You like to be the pessimist of the show. You like to be the the grouchy the pessimist. old guy. Hey, it's called realism, oh, folks. It's where we sit today. Because I'm a realist. I'm a how realist. did I know that line was coming? Oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, let's just dive back into these losses, though, a little bit more. Of you, know, you kind of look at the whole bit. I mean, I think the zone defense was really the the biggest killer of the Pistons and forcing Bruce to be in a position to have to shoot the ball more than he's comfortable and more than he should. What other areas of concern, though, are we taking away from these games? Because, I mean, it's back-to-back, just blowout losses. It's a 21 nothing run from Miami to start the second half. It's the inability to score the basketball. It's just brutal. Yeah, well, I think I think the turnovers were a huge issue. 29 turnovers combined in the two games. Um, and, you know, you live with turnovers that are part of the game. It's going to happen. But some of the turnovers Detroit had were just flat-out ridiculous. Flat-out just, we don't care right now. Uh, I mean, Riot Owens Kuruks picked off the Pistons like four times in the Brooklyn game. And, you know, a lot of those, a lot of the turnovers were, you know, entry passes to Blake Griffin so he can start his post-up play. And they didn't work. And that's, you know, some of them are on passers like Wayne Ellington who doesn't know how to pass, you know, doesn't make a good pass. Uh, And then there's other times where Blake just doesn't go out 
and go towards the pass. You got to go towards the ball when it's passed to you. Then you have plays like Don Maker, you know, not knowing how to use his hands yet, and he turns the ball over. Turnovers were a huge issue, uh, and those are things where they really just can jumpstart momentum for the other team, and that's how games get blown away and taken over. Ride on Krug from the beginning brought all the momentum to Brooklyn from picking off Detroit and picking off Blake Griffin. And that momentum just kept piling up and piling up and piling up, and Brooklyn was just able to build on it and run away with the game. Turnovers were a huge issue, and when they were an issue for the Pistons in December and January when they turned the ball over a ton, they're a huge issue in these two big losses. Turnovers will kill the Pistons. They, when they play sloppy, they play terrible basketball. I mean, to compound that, the shooting. It's something we've already hit on, but the shooting. 28 to 31% shooting. How, how You can't win like that, especially when you're not playing great defense and you're turning the ball over heavy. The shooting has been atrocious. An absolute tire fire. Nobody's hitting anything right now. Went from the hottest three-point shooting team in the league uh, since the beginning of February to shooting under 30% in back-to-back games. It's a disaster. It's ridiculous. Begs the question, do we need a lineup change? Does this cost Bruce Brown his starting spot? If he cannot execute against this garbage zone defense that teams are going to start playing in the NBA, do we have to pull Bruce out of the starting lineup? If... If the Pistons continue to see a high dosage of zone, then yeah, they have to pull him because you just have to align shooters out there with Blake and with you know running your offense through the high post. You just have to have shooters. You have to have Wayne Ellington out there. You have to have Luke Kennard out there, or you have to have you know Langston, Langston. Galloway. You gotta have you gotta have shooters out there. I mean, now if they stay in man, if, you know if, if this was just kind of a well, those two teams like to run a lot of zone, which is true, then yeah, you know what. Uh, if they continue to run man, see a lot more man to man. Bruce can stick in the the starting five because you need his his defensive presence and he you know he can do some things on offense. He's good at moving you know without the basketball. He's good at getting inside off of backdoor cuts, things of that nature. But against his zone, he just is too limited. And and we saw the Nets just target and force the Pistons to give the ball to Bruce Brown up top and make him make a play, or give the ball to Bruce Brown in the corner and make him shoot the ball. And Bruce Brown has been shooting 25% from the three-point line this year. He's not going to hurt you from there. So if they continue to see the zone, they just got to maximize the shooting out there. They got to get their best best shooters out there. And that means Bruce has got to take a seat on the bench. Yeah, he's almost unplayable versus zone right now. I mean, if a team lines up and they're not playing man, it's almost like before the jump ball, Bruce! You know, or like as soon as, if you ever seen like the Coach Hines videos, you know, win the jump ball, they drop in the zone. Time out, time out, time out, right away. Yeah, pull them. Like, I'm, off the rip. I'm really not, I'm not in disagreement just because it was really bad. The offense was just so bad. Mm-hmm. And and the, I guess what you could say in defensive Bruce is, well, no one shot the ball well, which is true. I mean, like said, Galloway was a combined four of 16 in these two games. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard And he was atrocious. bound for that. He had made 15 straight threes. You know anytime somebody hits a high like that. Or almost, what do you get, 13? 12, 12, 12. 13 was a record. He airballed the three. At the yeah, okay. Anyway, Only so, to make the next two I, and then to go I cold. absolutely love, I, oh, I didn't love it. I, I just thought it was like, I thought it was so funny how like hyped up the Pistons got that story to be like, they made it sound like that record was like, like they brought on like the guy that Terry Mills was that, in studio. Yeah, that everything, had, like, dude. They made it such a big they deal. They played that storyline up so much. And then Lexington goes out and airballs it right air off. Airballs. Desperation. Uh, anyway, now you're just being an ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, but realist. Real I agree. Um, we know Dwayne Casey wants to go with lineup, and he doesn't want to remove. Luke Kennard from that bench bench unit because they need the offense. But if this zone defense is what we're going to continue to see, you have to make the change. You have to. You have to. Luke is just a better offensive player. Not only shooting, but going to the rim right now mm-hmm. and finishing and getting players, other teammates involved well, in passing. And against his own defense, you know, when you're playing man-to-man, your touches are going to go to the... the, the Top of the order for like Andre Reggie, but against his own, it could go anywhere. The, the, they're going to be much more distributed because it's going to be whoever's more more so open in a in a catch and shoot situation. Yeah, I mean we saw Wayne Ellington get a ton of shot opportunities because in his own, it's like you just gotta you gotta get into the open man. It's not really about your best player. 
So that's why I think, you know, you can start Luke Kennard and it be, well, he's not going to get lost in the offense because as long as he's, you know, moving around, finding the open gap, once he gets it, he can shoot. Yeah. Well, the other thing you could do, too, is just stagger the lineups a little bit where Luke starts, maybe go to Langston for a little bit with the starting group so that you could kind of get Luke in a little bit earlier with the second unit to have him play kind of like that middle ground spot. And then you keep him in the game down the stretch fourth quarter with your starting five. You know, um, there's ways to get creative and maneuver around that to put your best shooters on the floor and to keep that second unit strong because I think that's important as well. You can't let that second unit take a nosedive because, quite frankly, that's been, you know, huge in the Pistons' recent success. Yeah, and the thing is, this is another problem that I want to talk about, and I get that Don Don Maker's really a tweener between a four and a five, but... The Pistons bench unit of Ish, Luke, Langston, Len Robinson III, and Thon Maker was playing really well. They had a really nice net rating since becoming a, a the go-to bench unit for the Pistons. And for Zaza to just come back in and, and, and get right back in the rotation, I just don't I don't think Zaza's a, a, a beneficial player to this team. He's not. He's terrible. He, he is so bad. He doesn't That's... rebound. He cannot move. He cannot defend on the perimeter. He cannot finish inside. I just don't know what he brings to His the table. His mentorship is great when he's sitting on the bench. He does not belong in the game anymore. He doesn't bring anything I, to the team, I, like you're saying. I anymore. would rather just throw Thon Maker into the fire. Because yeah. that doesn't yes. stop anyone. Put Glenn back in. Like you said, the front court of Glenn and Thon is much better than whenever it's Zaza and his uh, partner right now. It just is. Zaza's bringing nothing to the table. And and, and Thon can at least try to alter shots at the rim. Zaza can't get off the ground. And then Glenn, you know, he hasn't shot the ball real well, but I, you know, hypothetically he can shoot. And and I know that's kind of just a weird thing to say, like hypothetically he can shoot, because you could say that about everyone. But in previous seasons, Glenn Robinson III shot the ball pretty darn well. But he also can get to the basket. You know, he does a nice job job of cutting to the rim. And we saw that him and Ish started to kind of build a nice little connection with, with Glenn cutting the basket, Ish diving towards the rim and just dropping it off to him. And that was a nice connection starting to build. And for Zasa to come back, and he just doesn't bring anything. He doesn't bring anything to the table. And the bench's numbers have dropped with him back in. Yeah, they have. I'm, I'm in complete agreement. You're not getting any disagreement from me. How can you go back to him when this team was, especially the bench, was riding high with the way it was with Ish, Kennard, Langston, uh, Glenn, and Thon. How could you go away from that when uh, it's just so frustrating? Zaza, like you said, can't get off the floor. He's not rebounding anything. Even when offensive rebounds come right to him, instead of grabbing it, what's this nonsense of him tipping it back right now? What is he doing? He's hurting you on offense, on defense, everywhere right now. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Get him out of the game. Even even Hassan Whiteside was like taking it to Zaza. I know, burying him, burying. It's him. bad. It's bad. I I just would rather say Thon. Let's see what you can do. Time to man up, buddy. Hell, if you really got to throw in John Luer, I think John Luer can do more than. He, oh, I think Zaza's the very end of the bench with uh Jose Jose right now. I think that's just what it is at this point. I would. Yes, definitely play Lure before I played Zaza. I, I don't know what it is that keeps. That's him what in I was rotation. just about to say too. Is put Lure in the game. I mean, I'd like to give Thon that chance, but if Thon starts, you know, underperforming, skip over Zaza. The guy can't do anything. Like his passing at the beginning of the season was nice because he was doing a little bit more. He was rebounding, but like at this point, but the wear and tear of the season's gotten anything. onto him. His injuries have. You know, it's all piled up here. Yeah. And he is just useless at this point. Which, I, I'm not trying to be mean. I like the guy. I like the leadership he brings. It's just not there anymore for him. So what's the latest on this Reggie Jackson injury? Where do we stand on that? He's questionable tonight as they play the Lakers. And, uh, you know, if, if Reggie is hurt, obviously it changes the game big time for this Pistons team. Yeah, I... He's questionable tonight against the Lakers, and in my opinion, he should just sit because he was on the ground for a while after getting hurt, after he stepped on, of all people, Zaza's foot. So he was on the ground in pain. Legend killer. Had to get 
walked back, helped get helped back to the locker room, had to get helped into the shower. He left the arena on his own power, which is which is a good sign. You know, he didn't have a boot on, he didn't have anything like that. But there was a noticeable limp. Looks like the Pistons maybe got lucky, uh, especially with Reggie Jackson's history for injuries. It looks like they got lucky because him being questionable is is a good sign. But I, they, they, they should by no means rush him back. And what they should be doing is they should be calling up Isaiah Whitehead from the Grand Rapids Drive, and they should be bringing him up to play the backup point guard minutes or to just start him and have Ish continue to work off the bench because we do not need to see Jose Calderon back on the floor. No, we don't. Not at all. You also have Kalen Lucas, too. They, they they went out, and in the middle of the season, they went out, and they brought in Isaiah Whitehead, and they brought in Kalen Lucas as point guards in their development system to bring up any situation like this. Now they need to actually do it, unless they're planning on playing Bruce, Kyrie, or Svee in some minutes mm-hmm. at point guard. Yeah, give Kyrie some minutes at point guard. Why not? They could. But I don't know if they're really looking to give a guy that hasn't really played point guard. I don't really know if they're looking to give him minutes at this point of the season. Isaiah Whitehead should be in the NBA. He bullies people. He's got a really big frame for a point guard, 6'3", muscular, can shoot it. He should be in the league. And and he can provide the Pistons with a little bit of something. And I think he can do it more so than Jose Calderon could. Well, I think a lot of people could do it better than Jose Calderon could. At this point, if Whitehead was going to come up, wouldn't we have already heard the call up? Probably. And so that's, that's and probably that's not worrisome. what's happening. And that's worrisome. Calderon's playing tonight. And I hate that. I hate that so much. He's either starting or he's coming off the bench. And, and that's if either Jackson one. doesn't play. And that's if Jack, obviously if Jackson I don't think play, he will. Which I don't think he will. I'm, it, I agree with you there, too. Why rush him? Let his ankle heal. Let him be fine. Don't rush him back. You don't need to hurt him even worse. I'll be at the game tonight. If uh, if Jose Calderon does get in the game, I, I may get escorted out. I may like throw something, you know, or scream some profanity. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. Wow. I have class. Wow. But I will be showing your true colors, Brendan. Infuriated if I see Jose Calderon step on the floor tonight. I think there might be booze in the at the LCA if he gets in tonight with like all four people there. Yeah, with all four people there. There's a lot oh, of actually. There's actually, a lot of people that bought tickets to this Lakers game, but now that LeBron's might not be playing, this place will be packed tonight. I I've heard from some people that this is like the most sold game for the Pistons. Oh, trust well, me, it's supposed I, to be because they were going to see LeBron as a Laker. Right. LeBron's not playing tonight. It's a back to back, and then they have a Sunday uh, noon game or whatever it is, early afternoon game. He's not playing tonight, you guys. There's just no way he's playing tonight. I hope he does. Someone told me. Someone told me this is the highest-grossing regular season game in Detroit Pistons history. So, so literally every seat is sold. But how many people actually show up or don't try to? Oh, I mean, yeah. Knowing LeBron's not playing, Lonzo's not playing, Brandon Ingram's not playing. Big time pieces. Hey, I mean Lonzo and Ingram. How on. big time is it? But hold still. on. Hold on. All this is, why are we not talking about the return of KCP? It's actually the return of Reggie Bullock tonight. It is the return of Reggie Bullock. I'm I'm here for I'm here for like a lineup of like Alex Caruso, KCP, Reggie Bullock. I don't care what you put a power forward, and then Mo Wagner. Give me a lot of Mo Wagner tonight. Michigan. A lot of Mo Wagner tonight. Let's see some Mo Wagner. A lot of Mo Wagner tonight. Didn't he put up like 22 and 6 or something the other night? He might have. Hey, so I'm, more have about, game. I'm more worried about Bullock going for 30. Watch, watch. I mean, it's the curse of Detroit, man. Watch him come in and just go ham. There's some Pistons fans I know that'll be excited to see Reggie Bullock tonight. And there's somebody in particular who made a comment to me, and, and there's no way that I will mention this person's name and even give him that kind of spotlight. But somebody told me. That they believe Reggie Bullock is better than Clay Thompson, a better player than Clay Thompson. Well, no, no wonder I think your basketball opinions are so bad. If those are the people you hang around, Brent, no. What is the company no. you keep? No. Jesus Christ! It is. Um, l- l- let's just say it's it's uh, it's not company I keep. It's. Uh, it's somebody that I've I've had to have some serious conversations with. Like, are you okay? 
Like you might need to get some some medical My checkup. Goodness. You that know? that bothers me. Like that's gonna stick with me. I'll tell you guys after. I, the I, pod I don't who even it take is. it seriously. Do we just... like? I'm kind of laughing. I feel like Bren's making a joke. No, 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 that's no. not funny. No, no, no. Are you no. trying to say we should end the show right now? Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is because I've I've already explained. Aaron, do you want to give like a 30 second reprieve for the uh, young man who believes that Reggie Bullock is better than Clay Thompson? Um, look, really all you need to do, and, and I, you just got to go on YouTube, man. Like, this is where our highlights will just, like, show you. Like, look at Reggie Bullock's highlights. It's going to be like, Reggie Bullock, 16 points, four threes. Clay Thompson's going to be like, 55 points, 11 threes. Four dribbles. Yeah. Four, four dribbles. <laughs> he scored 37 <laughs> points in one quarter one time. So, you know, like, I mean, seriously, get some help. You is your it. friend Paul Pierce? This is because Paul Pierce hates everyone who's not Paul Pierce, so he's willing to put everyone down. This is me giving the Michael. This is the Michael Jordan gift. Stop it. Get some help. Like seriously, what that? What the hell? I'm I'm mad. He's 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 a young Pistons fan. Um, he's still in high school. May or may not be a player that I've coached in the past. So, um. Anyways, those the the group of people listening, they'll know who I'm talking your, your, about. Your penance is to subscribe to the podcast, like it, and and review it. That's your penance. I think he, that. I think that's already done. Well, then we gotta have some serious talks. Yeah, you haven't learned anything from me. That's for certain. But you know, moving on, I just wanted to put that out there because it crossed my mind, and we needed to address that because it's been bothering me. It really has. Um, what else is bothering me? The back-to-back losses, the blowout losses, that stupid zone defense. Stupid. Can we um, can we talk about this for a second? Yeah. The struggles of Blake Griffin? Because that's where I was. Okay. Wow. That's, right. like, good. Because I really feel like we should hit on this big time. I felt like this was going to dominate the pod, and here we are 30 minutes in. I haven't talked about it yet, which is surprising because the Blake Griffin struggles are a problem big time. Aaron, you want to fill us in on the stats you have about it? Yeah, so Blake, I know you have stats. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm the stats guy of the podcast. Uh, but Blake, you know, in the last five games, really, I mean, you could look at his last two games where he's averaging under 12 points, and shooting like 25 percent from the field. Uh, but in his last five games, numbers really in his last 15 games, his numbers are pretty much down across the board. But his last five games, he's averaging under 18 points. He's shooting about 45 percent from the field, which is kind of on par with where he's been. It's still a little bit lower than what he's been at most of the season. But on six attempts from beyond the arc per game, shooting just 30%. So he's taking more threes, and he's shooting at a horrible clip right now. And that's uh, that's unsettling. He's averaging over two turnovers, but most importantly, he's a minus 5.7 right now. That's his net rating on the court. Minus 5.7. Yikes. Um, so he's not playing good basketball right now. It's apparent on both sides of the court. He's dead tired. Uh, he doesn't move. He can't move. He can't contest shots. He's not going to the rim. You know, same things we were saying last week when we said Blake needed a rest. Um, it's just more and more apparent that the dude is beat right now. He's played more games this you know this season already. You know, the season's not even done. He's played more games uh, this season than he has in a season since I believe 2015. Uh, so that's you know four years ago. Uh, he's had a and he, he's posting a career high in usage. So. The dude needs a rest. This isn't rocket science. It's not just always oh, going through a slump. It's he's going through a slump because he can't move. Like he's dead tired. Look at him up. He's not. I don't want to say he's not trying because that's not. That's true. not Blake. That's Griffin. not. But it, it looks like at times he's not trying because he's so tired. You can see the fatigue. He's not going for the ball on passes as hard. He's not getting up as well on going when he goes to the rim. Like you said, he's shooting a horrible clip from three. It looks like he can't even get his legs into it. The dude every is, three is short. Every three is short right now. The dude is tired as hell, man. I I do I we get it. Trust me, we get it. We're in a playoff race. How can you sit your guy when you haven't secured a playoff spot and it's not like you're a four through a four seed? You're at the bottom, seventh seed right now. It's close. But he's so tired. That it's hurting the team right now. How can you expect to win when your best player just can't get gives you what forty percent every night because that's all he has in his tank? It's 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 tough. It's a tough situation to be in, and and Blake's never going to be the guy to say, "Hey, I need to sit out a game or two. He's never going to be that guy because Blake is a gamer. Blake is a hard worker. He's never going to say, "You know, I need to sit." 
But Dwayne Casey needs to go to him and say, we need you to rest for a game or two. We got to trust our guys to carry us for a game or two while you get you know, yourself just in a little bit of a better physical condition. Take a few days off to just rest yourself, rest your body, so you can come back and bring that juice back that you were playing with when we were still you know, losing, we were still struggling, and you were carrying us through his games as much as you could. Um, it's just tough because it's such a tough position to be in. You never want to be in a playoff race and be like, we got to rest our star player. But he's hurting the team right now. Mm-hmm. You, It's just it's so obvious, and it just hurts because, you. I mean, at some point you've got to rely on your other guys to carry it for a second. This guy, dude, he was being used so much in the first 45 games. It was absurd. Of course he's tired. And he's not taking any rests. How many games has he set out this year? Two. Two. That's what I thought. That, or two or three. Two no, or three. Two or, th- yeah, two. two or three. It doesn't matter. It's one game difference. It, it, that doesn't matter. For a guy who has not played, what, more than 55 games or whatever in a year, yeah. in like four or five years... To have this high of usage and to be playing this many games, I feel like it's just common sense. It's irresponsible. To not give the guy some rest, to not help preserve his body, it, it's just, it's irresponsible. I mean, you see around the league, it's happening more and more where guys get rest, especially, you know, the stars, they get rest. And I, I know Kawhi Leonard's a severe case of load management. You know, that's a severe case. But around the league, stars get nights off because it's about preserving them. It's about keeping them fresh. And I get with Detroit, you're kind of worried about them being able to survive without Blake Griffin because, well, now with this Reggie Jackson injury, we don't know the situation with that. We don't know if he's going to miss a week, if he's going to miss any games at all. Um, But I don't know if you can really trust the team around Blake to get the job done. And I get Andre Drummond's been playing better lately. uh, And Reggie's been okay. Luke's been shooting a hot ball. But past that, is there enough talent to go without your star player and get the job done in a a game? Because any team can win on any given night. All this does is draw back to conversations we had of, are you happy with the direction the Pistons are going and where this team currently is? Like, we're still missing several pieces. And... um, If you can't survive one, two nights without Blake Griffin, you can't get by a depleted Lakers team tonight, for instance, without Blake Griffin, then you don't belong in the playoff conversation. I mean, at some point here, like very quickly, I feel like the rest has to come. Like, how can, why couldn't you sit him tonight against the Lakers, play him against Toronto? And then sit them against Cleveland. And because after that, you've got Phoenix, right? Sit them back-to-back. Right. And, but then after Phoenix, you've got Portland, Golden State, Denver, Orlando. That's that stretch Portland, we talked about. two Indiana games, Charlotte, and then Memphis and New York. That is a killer stretch down the – you're going – that is a killer schedule down the stretch where he's not going to be able to rest. These weaker teams outside of Toronto, obviously, that you're playing coming up, Lakers, Suns, Cleveland mm-hmm. – this is it. This is the time. Because after this, it's go time for them. I've actually kind of changed my stance on that. I think they should rest them in a game where they're just not going to win. I think they should rest them at, you know, against Golden State or against Denver. Like I think they should just pack that in for a game or two and rest him. Because I, I, I like it goes back to what I was saying about do you trust the team to get the job done without him. I think I'd rather have him against Cleveland. That's the most pathetic thing I've ever heard. I think. Oh my God, that is so pathetic, guys. We're talking about a playoff basketball team. If Blake Griffin can't take a day off against Phoenix or Cleveland, and we can't go get the job done, then blow this thing up. This is terrible. If they can't go and get the job done versus one of the bottom five teams in the league because Blake Griffin's taking a rest, then fire everybody. Screw this whole operation. It's done. Forget about it. Blow it up. That is pathetic. Okay, so as I was saying before Brendan decided to jump in. It's uh, terrible. you, You rest Blake Griffin, or you play Blake Griffin in the games that you just should win, so you 
get those wins. Just make sure you get those wins because it's so much easier to lose a game to Golden State when you were going to lose to them with or without Blake Griffin. You know, you're in Golden State. You're not going to beat Golden State there. You rest Blake Griffin. You, you Make sure you get the wins you're supposed to win because it's going to suck if you rest them against Cleveland and they lose, and then they go to Golden State and Blake plays and they still lose because they're going to lose at Golden State or they're, and they're going to lose against Denver. I I don't think I'm on, I, I I see your reasoning. I understand your reasoning behind that. I don't think I'm on board with that though. I think I'm on the train that this team needs to be able to beat the Lakers, the Cavs, the Suns without him. Like they should be able to beat those teams without him. So you can see what this team's made of and try to mm-hmm. gut out some wins hey, against these better teams. That's also better opportunity to then see what your guys without Blake actually have. If you're just throwing in the towel, what happens is you get down by 20 in the first half, and then all of a sudden you start resting Andre, you start resting everybody else, and nobody else actually gets anything out of that game. Your guy should be able to play a bottom five team in the league and win the game if Blake Griffin's not on the floor. Otherwise, this is a total dumpster fire. Okay, but you've got to look at more so than just their their overall record because we did the same thing with the Bulls. The Bulls were a competitive team, and it took Blake Heroics in the first game to get the job done against them. But since Kevin Love's return, Colin Sexton's been balling. They're playing better basketball. Phoenix has been one of the hottest teams in the NBA with wins against Golden State, with wins against other teams. They've been playing really good basketball lately. That's what we've come to. So, huh? we're, no, it's we're just that. Of- they're playing better basketball. You know, you think teams were looking at Detroit in December and January, and they're like, oh, this is a terrible team. We, you know, we can just look past them. But now in February, they're, one, they're playing some of the best basketball in the NBA. Teams go through streaks, Brendan. It's not just as simple as, oh, their overall record, 60 games in the season, is bad, so they're just a bad team. When they're when teams are playing good basketball, when they're riding a wave, when they're riding a streak, when they get healthy with a guy like Kevin Love coming back, when a rookie starts to get his momentum late in the season and Colin Sexton, it's a different ball club. Cleveland's 3-6 and six in their last nine games, by they're, the way. But they're playing more competitive. Look at how many wins they have in this season, you know? Kevin Love is coming back, and he's playing really good. Can the Pistons really afford to rest Blake Griffin? Who the hell is going to guard Kevin Love? You're going to have Glenn Robinson guard Kevin Love? You're going to have Tom Aker guard Kevin Love? I, I just can't here's, believe we're having this conversation. I'm mind-boggled that we're having this conversation here's a repercussion. Right here are the repercussions of absolutely getting blown out and blowing those games against the Nets and the Heat. The Nets and the Heat, excuse me. If you win those games... You've created a separation, at least between you and the eighth seed. So maybe the sixth and seventh seed, I get that's a, that's a hustle, but it doesn't matter as much because you feel more comfortable in the playoff race. You could rest Blake Griffin tonight at that point against the Lakers, play him against Toronto, and then sit him out against Phoenix or Cleveland. You could pull that move, but since you decided to go out and get absolutely blasted by those two teams, you've you've lost uh, ground in the standings, and you can't pull that move anymore. I mean, that's how important those two games. The Pistons. Were. The Pistons. I mean, if you want to look at records, the Pistons had a better record than the Heat, and they should have beaten the Heat, and Blake Griffin played. This No, no, we're not talking about a potential playoff team. We're talking about two teams vying for the number one pick in the next draft. Okay, bro. and those two teams are playing better basketball as of late. Like I said, the Phoenix Suns are, it, have really good record as of late, and they've beaten Golden State. And they've beaten other competitive teams. They've beaten NBA teams. Any, any team can win on any given night. No, I, I understand what both of you are saying, and I get your points. I agree, and I agree kind of with both of you. It's a, it's a weird spot to be in. I'm just saying, I I don't know. I feel like this is it, man. Like this stretch right here, because this the final stretch after the Suns, you got to lock in for playoff mode, man. You really got to lock in. Those are tough teams. We've seen Detroit as a really bad basketball team win a couple stupid games that they shouldn't win. I think that's what you point to when you look at them beating Golden State, for instance. You know, it's not like Phoenix was the better team in that game. It was just a stupid win versus a team they're fired up to play that they see several times a year. I don't know. I, I My problem with the whole thing is if this is where we stand, that we have to... Make sure we play Blake Griffin versus Cleveland and Phoenix because we're nervous we can't win those games without him. 
then we're wasting our time. Okay, but what I'm saying is Phoenix has wins against the Warriors and against the Bucks in their last four games. Like, that's just a team that's playing better basketball. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Kelly Oubre like, stepping his game up, and that's leading yeah. the charge. You know, it's not like this is just, you know, oh, they've won a couple games. Like, they're just genuinely playing better basketball over, over the stretch. And you just can't really afford to rush your best player against them when they're playing the best basketball they have all season. I just, I just disagree. I don't know. I, I, I hate packing it in. I'll just throw one to Denver. You're not going to win it anyways. I just hate the mindset. I just can't buy into that. That's just me. It's it's kind of like not buying into the zone defense in the NBA, even though I do think these are slightly different perspectives. I, you know, I will forever stick on the page of, I don't care how good a basketball Cleveland or Phoenix is playing right now. They're still significantly less talented than you. They're significantly worse. as uh, you know, They're never, nowhere near as good of a basketball team than you. Yeah, they've rattled off a couple nice wins. But if this is a Pistons team that wants to compete in the playoffs and has any shot of ever doing anything important, and the whole reason that we are bought in on this team rather than blowing it up, I will forever believe that you should be able to win that game. Without Blake, well, let's let, let's not even talk about rushing Blake until we know Reggie Jackson's going to play. I mean, honestly, honestly, I mean, you can't like, go without if, Reggie and Blake. If that's, Jackson's that's hurt and misses time, Blake's I, not rushing. I don't know if I agree game. with that either. I really don't. Listen, I know you got to get to the playoffs first, but guess what? If you don't get Blake a little rest, either the guy's going to get hurt himself, or he's going to be utterly useless in a playoff series, and then it doesn't matter. I, I, there will, I don't think there would ever be a situation where the Pistons are without Reggie Jackson and they rest Blake Griffin. Whenever, when, when I agree with you on that, that. Aaron. I, I don't even I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying I don't agree with the philosophy. I don't think we're going to change any minds here today between us three. I think we're all kind of setting our way on this. So let's just flip gears for one final thing real quick. How about those teal unis Blake's Blake. cutting out on Instagram, bro? Blake! Wow, yeah, Blake. he did put that Let's out there. The Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's hey, have a little fun. Because this pod's not – I thought this pod was great. But in general, the feeling we have right now sucks about this team after these last two. So let's lighten the mood. These teal unis, bring them back. Come on, Blake. I know you have that pull. Yeah, I was just going to say, you have that pull. I know you run this franchise now. Bring these teal unis back as the alternate. We oh, need this. I will I will, I will. will shell out I will shell out money for a real one. I'll get the real version of a jer- of that jersey. Aaron's willing to drop two fifty on a Blake. Wow! Teal. Wow! I, I won't. I won't. <laughs> I won't go get the fake one. I'm just kidding. I'm definitely gonna get the fake one. But I would consider. I would actually consider go buying the real version of one of those because those are absolutely so you're, gorgeous. You, you better be careful what you say and don't say. Everything you say is on record. It can be used against you. <laughs> Don't don't dangle this fruit in front of us, Blake. Don't let this be a <laughs> yeah, joke. This you, needs to be real. Yeah, we need teal alternates. Oh we my have goodness. been advocates of this for forever. Pretty much since the teals went away, I've been an advocate. That was when I was like ten. Is when the teals went away. That was a long time ago. Yeah. They went back to the red, white, and blue. And I've been an advocate of having that as a backup uniform. Bring it back. One I o- need it. One other thing I wanted to share um, was. Join a couple Pistons fan groups on Facebook, and those are some interesting communities there. I just wanted to give them a shout out. You know, being in there, we're going to be, you know, sharing our content in there. But you know, the, the, there's a couple of them you can join. The official Detroit Pistons group, uh, six six and a half members, six and a half K members, and then you got Detroit Pistons. Central. Six and a half people. Six and a half people. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the half a person? <laughs> and then the Detroit Pistons Central. So. Want to join those Facebook groups? There's some great discussion in there. I've only been in them for a few days personally, but uh, you know, I think they're they're another cool thing to have, and you get to see the pulse of the the fans around Detroit and around this team. Um, but yeah, going back to those teal jerseys, man, bring the teal back, and let's while we're at it, let's bring the red ones back too. Let's yeah, let's get the, the going to work back. era reds. Those are the two alternates, man. I'm telling you, let's get not this back. Motor City, not the Grays. Like I don't think the grays are terrible. I don't think the grays. Are I, don't, I just don't like the black. Ones. I don't mind. I don't like the black ones. But if you're only going to be allowed so many uniforms, I think the teals and the going to work reds. Yeah, those are beautiful jerseys. Oh, and 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 the teal. I mean, like the fans are clamoring for it. Like you will sell those like hotcakes. We're not calling for an an overhaul. Like you know, go back to teal and orange because, and white because the regular home and aways are, are great. The I Pistons are red, white, and blue. That is their colors. But as alternates, those teals are fantastic. 
Bring them back. I, we are. Are we all, Brenda? Are we in agreement here? Yes. We're 100%. all in agreement. Wow. Hey, can we get a, can we get a round right, of applause no, for all being a, all being in agreement on a topic? Like, wow. I mean, special. let's just talk to him personally, Blake. We know you listened. We know you've heard our stuff because I've called you out a couple times on things and you've gone and done it. I know you listen. Don't dangle that fruit in front of us. Give us the teals, buddy. We need them. Ryan, can you do one other thing for me? Can you call a 50-burger for Blake tonight? Because when you oh, call those out, that's kind of happening. Dude, when I do call out for 50-burgers, I mean, he might not hit 50, but he goes for like 46, 44, yeah. and puts up 12 boards. I don't want to do that to him because that could get him hurt with how tired he is right now. <laughs> so I won't put that on him. Wow. So Blake Griffin may struggle tonight. but <laughs> He's not going to struggle. Blake's going to go ham tonight, dude. He's going to put a show on. He's tired of this losing streak already. If it kills him, he's going to go hard tonight. Maybe that little Bo Wagner, Reggie Bullock, KCP zone will just F him up. <laughs> Jesus. F him up. That's what it's going to do. But uh, Pistons get set to play the Lakers tonight. I'll be down there at the game. We'll have some video coverage for you. It'll be an interesting night in Detroit basketball. We'll see if they can find their way out of this skid and then push forward. They've got some big games coming up versus some opponents they should win. And, of course, they've got a couple games on that schedule that could be tough as well. So uh, it'll be fun to watch how the Pistons rebound. They sit in the seventh seed, half game out of the sixth seed, and they still got a little separation between them and falling out of the playoff race. So the Pistons looking to get back on track. Stay tuned to palaceofpistons.com for more information on that. Before you go, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons, Aaron at A. Johnson NBA, Ryan at Ryan Pay, myself at Media Brendan. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Palace Pistons. We're on Facebook, Palace Pistons, the Facebook page as well. So give us a follow, share the content. We're continuing to grow. And even if the Pistons uh, are getting cold, we're staying hot. We'll see you next time here on the Palace Pistons podcast.